0: You're listening to Beat Autoimmune and Thrive, the podcast all about reversing and preventing autoimmune conditions so you can live your most vibrant life as soon as possible. We talk about autoimmune root causes, actionable solutions, and inspirational healing stories. I'm Palmer Kippola and I used to have MS. Today, I'm an author, a speaker, a functional medicine certified health coach, a pickleball player, and nature lover who's helped thousands of people reclaim their health and their best lives. Let's dive into this episode. Welcome. I am thrilled that Dr. Susan Blum is with me today. Dr. Blum is a medical doctor. She's got her master's in public health. She's a preventive medicine and chronic disease specialist and an early adopter of functional medicine. She's the founder and director of the Blum Center for Health in Rybrook, New York. She's also clinical professor at the Department of Environmental Medicine at the Icahn School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. She is a member of the medical advisory board for the Dr. Oz Show and she's senior teaching faculty with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine in Washington, D.C. Her books include Healing Arthritis, Your Three-Step Guide to Conquering Arthritis Naturally, and the Immune System Recovery Plan, a doctor's four-step program to treat autoimmune disease right over my shoulder. Welcome, Dr. Blum. It is an honor to have you with me.
1: It's great to see you again.
0: It's really nice for you to be here. So it, it is In addition to your long and impressive list of accomplishments, I love that you practice what you preach. You've got your own healing journey of overcoming Hashimoto's, which I share in my book, Beat Autoimmune. In fact, if you have the paperback, (laughs) it's on page 192, so you get more details there. And more recently, you overcame arthritis by following your own advice, which is both amazing and, and, and inspirational to the rest of us. So congratulations on that. Thank
1: you. Yep. So well, you know you know how that goes. It's really, um, as you speak, and I know you have had the opportunity to speak to a lot of integrative people, we all uh, sort of learn on ourselves, don't we? We
0: do. We do. That is generally the starting place for doctors, in particular medical doctors. You were trained as a conventional medical doctor, and eventually you found functional medicine, and we'll talk about that a little bit. and. Uh-huh. Your path to finding functional medicine was in part due to having your own story. And I want to dig into your story because you have a a terrific background in the sense that you addressed a profound amount of stress in your life. And that was in part your way out, your recovery from these autoimmune conditions So I want to dig straight in and you you share that contributing to the eventual Hashimoto's diagnosis was childhood stress and the fact that you became the perfect one, I'll use in air quotes, in your family. Can you talk a little bit about the setup of why you decided to become what you call an A plus student?
1: Oh gosh, you know, you and I were joking about this before we got started that I, I don't remember that you, this is something you and I really um, talked more about. I think I spoke to you more about this than um, in other interviews I've done when I think about my childhood. But look, I think we're all, um, I like to say that um, we're each born into a family and the family is like a play, right? We're all cho- we are all choose, you could decide what you believe about choosing your family or what, you know, but in, in either case. I think of uh, our family environment and the different siblings and the parents almost like a play. And every um, member of the family is like one of the, takes a role, right? And is like a different actor in the play. And I think we do a lot of, we work out a lot of our, for the rest of your life, I think you're working out like the dynamic of that family of origin stuff. And so my role in my family, my role in the play was I was the perfect one. And one of the reasons that happened for me, I believe, is because, you know, I had a very angry father who would chase my sister around the table with a belt. And when the screaming would happen, I hid, you know, and so my way of staying under the radar, I didn't want, I needed to be the good one, right? So my older, I was the second of four kids, so I needed to be the good one. And so I just did everything I could to make my parents happy so that they wouldn't, um, I wouldn't get the wrath you know, of of my father. And um and so I think I just saw at an early age that the best way to, you know, um the best way to make my parents happy was to just bring home A's and and then I had a narcissistic mother who really um you know as long as I reflected back to her something great then she was happy and so she drove all her ambition into me and um so the combination of those two things You know, my mother was a product of the '60s and '70s. You know, she sort of missed out on women's lib, and I think she wishes, because she was born in '58, so she came right before the '60s. And I know that she wishes she could have done more. And so I think she channeled that into me as well. So, I I mean, those are the factors I know sort of drove me there. And um, it's a big burden to carry to be perfect all the time. And and with everything going around, I was the fixer in my family. So I was always trying to smooth things over and. You know, everyone tried to blame everyone all the time. So anyway, there's a lot of dysfunction in my family. And you know what? Being what I do and I interview people every day, you know, I take care. I'm a clinician. I still have a very busy medical practice and I see new patients. I hear people's stories and I'm not alone in this, okay? There's trauma everywhere. And certainly my work with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine has allowed me to, um, to really spend a lot of time working with people with trauma. So not only do I see it and I can relate to it, you know, in my patients every day, as well as the mind-body groups, or even the work I do at the Center for Mind-Body Medicine. And I really, um, I'm very aware that uh, I have a lot of compassion for every single person, because I really believe we all, we all have this family of origin stuff that informs us through our lives. And I think the work is learning more about yourself and undoing some of that. Oh.
0: So beautifully said. I think every single person listening can relate to this because we have all had trauma to one varying degree or another, every Every single single one of us, every single person. And one could say that folks with the autoimmune diagnosis or or mysterious symptoms um, may have more than their fair share because we know of the profound connection between childhood stress and the eventual, um, you know, the advent of autoimmunity years later.
1: And right. You mean like the ACEs, like the adverse childhood. Like the ACEs
0: defense. research. Yeah, really absolutely. profound yeah, and important stuff. And I, I think, but the personality that we become that's often shaped by what happens in our lives growing up. Um, I had a similar situation with my father that has helped to create who I am today. Right. Yes, I mean, exactly. And, and I love that you have this driven personality and you also have this big desire to help people. And it was no surprise that you wanted to become a doctor. So that was a big deal that you went off to medical school. And when you went to medical school and you started practicing conventional medicine, you also were raising a family at the same time. And that was a big amount of stress to shoulder So you talk about a confluence of events that happened to cause you to really examine the stress in your life. And I'd love to know more about that. Like what got you to the breaking point where you needed to really address stress in your life?
1: Hmm. Um, well, I think, well, I can say I I learned to meditate when I was around 35, my cousin, um, you know, I think it was just, um, no, it was in my early 30s, actually. There was just, I had kids. I was trying to figure out, I think I just woke up one day and realized I was really unhappy. And I, you know, and I didn't know why. I was married, I had two kids. And I just, and I have a wonderful cousin. You know, we all have angels in our world. And there's always, you know, for the, when the student's ready, the teacher comes, as they say. Mm-hmm. And um, so is my husband's first cousin, actually, is like a Zen Buddhist, Meditator person who I was really close with, and um, I just realized I was unhappy. And so she started. She taught me how to med. She started teaching me how to meditate and i started therapy actually to try to figure out like why am i unhappy and like and like most women or a lot of women i speak to you know i first thought it was my husband and i was going to have to get rid of him which by the <laughs> way happens um, he's still with me um, but we originally think like we're going to find external happy, happiness through other people um, when the fact was that I needed to do some digging in to figure out for myself, you know, why I was unhappy. And so when I was 38, so, 30, so in my early 30s, I started meditating and I actually started therapy and probably even therapy with my husband. But um, and when I was 38, I uh, across my desk. And so here's the thing, knowing ourselves is really important and trusting your intuition is really important. And so across my desk came this brochure for the Center for Mind-Body Medicine Professional Training Program for Health Professionals. And I looked at this and I thought, I got to go. And I don't know why. I had never done mind-body medicine before. I had only just was trying to learn to meditate for my cousin. That was really the only integrative stuff I had done. I had, um, at that point, I was, I had three little children. I was on a, a break from working because I, I had just had my third kid and I thought, I I was overwhelmed and I just needed to take a break because I also was at Mount Sinai doing um, preventive medicine, which I loved, but it was conventional and it really, I didn't see what I was going to do with that. And so I took a break and then across my desk comes this thing and I went. And for me, that was, that changed my life Um, because at that training I spent like, now it's only four or five days when you do the training, but then it was like eight days. I left my family for the first time, I left everyone and I disappeared. I mean, you go into those trainings, I don't know if you've ever been to an intensive sort of mind-body or an intensive training where you're doing all this um, uh, work on yourself, a lot of mindfulness and mind-body techniques. And I just, it was was the first time I left home like for that long and didn't even call everyone every day because I was so overwhelmed with my own work that I was doing. But I was, so the, the, um, between drawings and writing and journaling and movement and met different kinds of visualization and guided imagery and biofeedback and like it was a group process and I, I was practicing all these things, it really broke me open and I learned a lot about myself and, um, and through that work that I continued, I was able to really figure out why I was unhappy, like what I needed to do to move towards being happier. And it was really about me, myself, and I, you know? And so um, what I like to say is that that process or that train, the, doing that program, um, it enabled me to to discover and connect with my North Star. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to call your intuition, your intuitive voice, that part of you that knows, I was able to finally um, hear and connect with that part of me that I could check in with and ask questions and know what's the next step you know find my north star what's going to be the guiding what's going to help guide me you know um, as I'm now moving through life and life is a series of decisions we have choice all the time so it's what's the next one and the next one and the next one and where do you want to set your intention and where, where do you want to head and what's your calling and what's your purpose and you know those answers are within you but you need but we need to cultivate techniques and different ways to hear that voice and with the busyness and the noise and world and blah, everything going on that you, you don't have the opportunity to get quiet, you know, and to, to, to find a way to hear that voice. And so for the first time I really heard my voice and I was able to ask it, ask questions and process and, and develop skills that I still practice to this day in an ongoing way to always be able to hear that voice. And that's the only way we're gonna navigate life in the truest way that's aligned with our purpose and that allows us to stay happy.
0: So beautiful. Uh, You mentioned a couple things there that I wanna touch on. One was the fact that it broke you open and I love that metaphor because it's, it's just kind of like when we drop everything. And one of the things that you came out of that experience with that you shared in another interview with me is that you decided that you weren't going to be the perfect one anymore. And you went home and you told your family, you know, guys, (laughs) I like, do not look to me to be the perfect one in the family anymore. And I love that because not only did you come up with that decision at this retreat, and sometimes, you know, I've done retreats where you do have these powerful aha moments, but then you get back to your daily life, you know, and you, it starts to fade like the honeymoon effect, right? Right, right but, right. but you went back and you literally told people, look, I'm not going to do that anymore. Right. So what, what happened with that?
1: Yeah, well, and I do want to say that um, what what's happened over the years with the Center for Mind, Body, Medicine is because um, it is hard to have one training like that last a lifetime and to keep you going. You always have to have a way to keep Practicing or check back in and renew your vows and renew your vows and renew your vows And so I continued working with the center and so all the friends that I made and my colleagues They're all like the in charge of everything now. They're running everything Um, We started together 20 years ago and we're all faculty and I go to train and I teach the groups now that I That I was participating in but I stayed and I trained and I got certified and I did became faculty and so I kept every year a couple times a year I would be in one of these groups that I was in. And so if I was leading it, I still got to participate. And so I was able to keep my toe in that water. And I think that in an ongoing way, as people are listening to uh, this conversation, I think it's really important that um, you can't just go to one retreat and think that, you know, the, the effects are going to last forever. You have to have something that you do in an ongoing way. And for me, in addition to an ongoing meditation practice or other ways that I do a daily practice. Um, I also annually make sure I do a retreat kind of thing. Like everybody needs to figure out what they need to do. But those years I was like, we, I was, I stayed very involved with the center and continued to get together with that group as a way and to practice together. So I kept it going and that was really important for me. Um, coming home, you know, many years ago in those early years of therapy and all that I um, there was a book I forget the name of the book but it might be the dance of anger or something it was one of those Ooh. early therapy books mm-hmm. but what stuck with me is that um, they talked about the family dance and for anybody who's a, in you know a psychologist out there anybody that, that's familiar with that term what it means to me because I'm not a therapist but what it means to me is that um, and what I took from that is when one member of the family changes the dance, everybody else dances differently. And so but the person who's changing the dance, it's not easy, right? So it was really a struggle. Um, I you know I had to um, you know my telling everyone I'm not perfect is one thing, but it required vigilance and in an ongoing way for me at each time when I felt myself trying to fix things or to live up to some expectation someone had of me um, to remind them. I'm not perfect. Not going to do that, you know, kind of thing. And so, um, and in a way it was things like making sure I paid even all the bills on time. And like, I was in charge of all that. And it's like, you know what, if I forgot to call someone back, I forgot to call them back. And I just, you know, I just, I'm, I'm too overwhelmed. I can't get all that done. And you know what, I won't get it all done on time and people will just have to understand. And there were days like that. And so letting go of that need to, um, to really function. It's not even about being perfect. It's also about functioning at such a high level and and getting and not disappointing anyone. Yeah. Right. And so um, I made that very clear to my family of origin. And so they got to, they got used to the new me and um, but it required me to stay vigilant and to, and that's where mindfulness comes in because at any given moment, if you're unconscious and you're not paying attention, you'll default back into your old ways. And so you have to keep practicing mindfulness because all mindfulness means is having an awareness moment to moment about what's happening. And so as triggers, and I was just talking to a patient about this today, actually, about this idea about triggers, you know, and the trigger, you know, we all have triggers and they there's a, there's a, perhaps an innate automatic reaction that's an old way of doing things that, maybe wants to happen but if you're mindful and you see it coming up you can stop it before you actually um those words come out of your mouth that you behave a certain way in response to someone else so without that vigilance and without the ongoing mindfulness practice it's very hard to um, maintain um a way of being that you might would that you might you know have set an intention that you want to do
0: you know Absolutely. Make it makes perfect sense. It really, yeah. really makes sense. And and there was another nugget that you mentioned in um, the previous comment mm-hmm. that you sat, you got quiet. Yes, and this is something that I am finding to be difficult for people that have experienced trauma yes. or stress in their lives is the ability to just sit. Yes. I think a lot of people would prefer to distract, and we know there are unhealthy ways of coping and distracting um, ourselves, and there are healthy ways of distracting ourselves, but there is this ongoing tendency I find for people in particular, a lot of women that I work with, with autoimmune conditions, and men too, um, but you know the majority of people with autoimmunity are women, so that's why I... I Well, the
1: majority of people that seek out help are women.
0: (laughs) There you are, there you are, you know, nine out of ten for me. Um, uh, There is kind of a desire to sweep, not, I am mean, they're aware that it's there, but there's a preference to sweep things under the rug. And if I sit, I might cry or talk to me about just sitting or what you advise to people that are not comfortable with just sitting. Is there a way to ease into it or, you know, is the only way to get to the other side to go through it?
1: Um, a couple of thoughts about that. Um, the first thing I want to say that is that uh, for people that have experienced a lot of trauma, sitting is not even the, always the best way to start. Um, people that have experienced trauma often need some sort of movement to move to move the emotion. Um, when there's strong emotion, movement is is can be more helpful. The other thing is is that when there's a lot of trauma, it's very hard to. To ask someone to, to get quiet and, and have these things when they're all by themselves at home mm. might be really asking a lot. And so, I um, mean, this is where Jim's new book, you know, the transformation, Jim Gordon just wrote the new book, which is all about the trans, you know, trauma and transformation. And he explains all of this. Because in the mind body groups that the center runs, and I I don't, I don't do, I'm not promoting myself here by talking about it. People can go to the website cmbm.org, and this you can sign up for an online mind body group. And that's why trauma. um, There's a whole other way of working with trauma, and you really are best doing that with someone if you have a lot of trauma. So I don't want to take away. I want I'm going to come back and talk about meditation and the way to get started. But really, for those people that really feel afraid or agitated, if they're getting quiet and they are afraid of what might come up with the feelings, you shouldn't be doing it alone necessarily. And this is where, you know, I have to say that, you know, I've had tough times in my life and traumatic things happen and I've done EMDR, like great therapists, you know, somatic experience work, which is like mind, body, stop and breathe as you're talking about difficult things. EMDR, you know, to help discharge some of the energy around things. Find a therapist, you know. So therapists, um, there are certain really great mind-body therapists. that They're they're called somatic experience where they really help you with the body-mind piece. Um, But you might need someone, okay? So I just want to say that first. And the way we work with trauma at the center is with a lot of shaking and dancing and movement, right, because sometimes you can't sit um, because there's, there's just too much in there. That, and it's hard. Um, and so when I said that I got quiet during my first retreat, it wasn't all me- at all. There's actually very little sitting meditation. I mean, we did opening and closing soft belly breathing, like during at the large sessions in the beginning and end of the groups, but the exercises were not quiet necessarily, right? So the breaking open and the getting quiet and hearing my voice as things as the world dropped away when you go into retreat. Um, the exercises are meant to connect you, right? So there's drawings, there's journaling, there's, um, the, like I said, there's movement, there's biofeedback, there's all, and there's guided visualization. So it's not quiet necessarily. You might just do a body scan where you go head to toe and you just sort of see where your body's holding something and you bring your attention there. And there's just all sorts of interesting ways to connect you with your deeper self. And so quiet is hard. And so that's why. um, Look, I originally learned to meditate Zen, which I mindfulness meditation, vipassana. I actually like get the quiet part, Um, but that's be. I've been practicing a long time, so I I do enjoy that. And there are people who end up there and really like it, but you don't have to start there at all. Um, The more hard it is for you to sit, we will prescribe or I will prescribe something moving. You know, there's there's um. You know, like the Sufi meditators, they do whirling. Like there's there's movement, there's shaking, and there's chaotic breathing. And in yoga, they do pranayama. Like there's different kinds of um, meditations that are more active. And so for people who are, and so once people practice that for a little while, sometimes then they can find, they can sit. Um, There's a lot of great apps now with, um, uh, you just plug in and listen to someone's voice. So it's a lot easier. You feel like you're not alone and you have someone guiding you. So that's a long answer for your question, but I hope I, I sort of addressed that. Um, getting quiet is, I think it freaks people out thinking that they have to get quiet. And so I just want to say that, and even me, like, so I meditate. It's not quiet. My, my mind is always like, but I'm noticing it. You know, I'm noticing it. Sometimes I feel it. Sometimes it, I set a 20-minute timer every morning and I sit. And sometimes it's really noisy, and sometimes it's a little less noisy. But like the thought that we actually get quiet is um, is probably uh, int- causes the intimidation that people feel because yeah. it's not really like that. It's about learning how your mind works and getting to know yourself. Um, when things, when you, when you're focusing on your breath and you try and you're you're getting a break from the incoming from the outside world, that's what allows you to experience the deeper connection with yourself as you, as you sort of move away from the external stimulation. I think
0: that that is so well said. I think that by and large, most of us are overstimulated today. Right. right? I mean, we have the constant news cycles. We've got families, we've got work, we've got illness, all of this creates more stress. Yeah. And I think most people are dealing with reaction. And um, I spoke with Heidi Hanna who. Um, is the executive director of stress.org. And I know Heidi. Yep. you know Heidi, mm-hmm. and she is looking to rebrand the concept of the stress response to the stress reaction because it really is more appropriately a reaction that we're having. We don't need to do anything to elicit the stress response, right? We don't need to do anything, it automatically happens, but the relaxation response by counterbalance requires proactive effort. So I I think that,
1: well, I I think we can short circuit our stress reaction. Okay. And and that's really where, um, with practice you can catch yourself. If you know, the trigger comes and you could not have that stress reaction. And I think that's where the mindfulness comes in because, you know, it's, again, it's like in a way, um, if you think about a baseline or a plat, like where where's your baseline? Some people are already up here, and so then a trigger comes, and they're like over the top right away. But with an ongoing sort of cultivating this sort of mindfulness or this um, by practicing some sort of engaging your relaxation system every day, you can keep your baseline down here, and so you you can notice you definitely notice when you flip up really high it's more obvious. Whereas if your baseline's here and you're flipping up, you might not know, it's like you're always wired up here, you know? That's right. That's And right. so if you can bring your baseline down here, it'll be much easier for you to have that awareness when you get triggered because it's such mm. a big change, right?
0: And so I, I think- I love although, that. I love the visual of that because I can yeah. really see it's like the yeah. temperature is rising, right?
1: Right. And then if you go over the top, it's only like, you might not even know what's happening because you're living up here. Right. The idea is to like help yourself live down here.
0: Yeah.
1: And you can do that by engaging relaxation response every day. And you need to find some way of doing that. I mean, listen, I tell people, you know, we both know how hard it is, how, how much resistance there is, right? Everyone knows. And, you know, I was giving a talk to a group of like 300 health professionals about three or four years ago. And in, I said to everyone in the audience, "So who here knows that stress is really important and for your health, and that you know who here knows that every single person raised their hand?" And then my next question was, "Okay, so who here is actually doing something about it and practicing some mindfulness or some way to make sure that stress doesn't come into your body and make you sick?" And only about twenty percent of people raise their hands, and so and these are health professionals like me in an integrative conference, so we all know. And so the question is, you know, how do you Um, how do you, you know, do work with yourself in an everyday ongoing way, you know, to make sure that you protect yourself. It's like, it's like your bulletproof vest, right? How do you put on that vest and, um, to protect yourself from the incoming, you know? And so I think that we just all have to, um, find a way. And so I tell people, go for a walk without your phone, listen to music, put on music and dance before you take a shower. You know, take up knitting, you know, um, read a stupid book, you know, layouts, you know, just turn everything off and read a play, read a dirty novel. I don't know, you know, but like we have to find times where we disconnect and it doesn't have to be Um, the meditation piece or the mindfulness exercises are really good for self-awareness. So you get to that quiet place to find that North Star. And so I think that's really important. Um, there's, two, there's two benefits for doing some sort of mindfulness practice. It's so you can you know connect inside and hear your inner voice and your intuition. And, and then there's the health, right? The, the engaged parasympathetic, turn off the stress reaction so that your organs don't get sick. And so you can do that. That's, that you can do by knitting and by painting and by the physical thing, engaging relaxation. You can do that with a lot of different kinds of exercise uh exercises you know things you do relaxation go for a walk in the woods leave your phone home right play with your dog throw a ball you know all these things create joy and turn off the stress response but the connecting in inside and that whole self-awareness intuition and and if you're looking for like trying to understand yourself and to navigate life and what's next and setting an intention for you know, designing your life and what you want next. And um, those are self-awareness practices. And that's where meditation really comes in nice. Uh, And and you can do guided visualizations. You could do apps, you know, Calm or Headspace. You know, they all have really good um, kind of guided visualizations. But, you know, that's the second purpose for doing it. And um, that's separate from the relaxation Response that's self awareness, and I think for people looking for joy and to find that happiness and to find their path, you can't you can't not do this. I mean, it, you, no one else is going to tell you. You have the answers inside you, so you have to you have to find a way to to connect with your North Star. No other way.
0: Yeah, I I love that. I love that you say and you talked about, and I think I shared in the book that this is our jobs. This is our job to prevent stress from coming in and harming us. And I think that's so beautifully said about developing the self-awareness. No one is going to come and do it for you. No one is coming to save us. This is our opportunity to do this for ourselves. But there's so many paths in. And that's what's exciting about this is that there's not one right way. So it causes me to wonder when you work with your patients, when, when do you address and I assume that most people with autoimmune disorders have some form of dysregulated nervous system, right? When do you address this particular topic of finding some way of beginning to regulate the, the nervous system?
1: Well, I, I actually don't ever not talk about it. So, um, so the initial, at the initial visit, it's always a discussion. Let's talk about stress. Let's talk about your stressors. Let's talk about what you, what you you know, how you handle them. And, um, and, you know, most people that come to see me, especially, I mean, autoimmune people. Um, so most autoimmune people know there's this gut autoimmune connection, right. With the gut microbiome and the number one, and the number two most important influences on the microbiome are food and stress, right? So what you eat and, and, and the stress, the stress reaction, we can call it. Stress reaction bathes your microbiome in cortisol and adrenaline, and it affects your motility, and it sort of, it affects how much digestive enzymes you make. And so your digestion gets worse, your motility gets worse, you can end up with SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and dysbiosis and leaky gut. Even if you don't have symptoms, all these things are associated with autoimmunity. And so you might have no digestive symptoms, but if you have a lot of stress, and it comes in it, and it ends up in your gut. And I had stomach aches my whole life. I was a gut person, 100%. And like, so I always try to flush out who's my gut people, you know? And so you find out who had stomach aches when they were kids. And, but um, inevitably my goal is always to help make that connection for people. You know, so stress, I always do a stress history and everyone has one. You know, divorce, remarriage, juggling of mixed family, blended family, a kid who, you know, had mental health issues in college, you know, anxi- everyone's got anxiety now kids. Everyone is very stressed. So I do a stress history on every single person and I track it. You know, I have a really good EMR system. Like I just take really good notes and at each visit, I'm always, it's always something we just So, How are you doing with that? Cause I make a plan. And so, um, but my question for people is always, uh, you know, so what do you think you can do? I mean, let's just talk about it because, you, don't, you know, nobody wants to be judged or made to feel bad because they couldn't figure out a way to meditate. You know, that's not the way to help somebody, right? And so for us, so for me, it's really just, um, I try to, especially the first visit or, you know, in the first couple of visits, it was really to assess like what, how the body's doing, how the stress system's doing. So I'm always checking adrenals and the stress system but the stress history, I take a very thorough stress history and I try to help people make their own connection. Yeah. Look at how your symptoms were affected by your stress. You know, Look at how that changed. Look at, And so I really think educating people and helping them see how stress affected them is very motivating. And so the first thing I do then in the first couple of, as I'm getting to know someone, certainly at the first visit and then the first follow-up after I get testing back, is trying to take all the results and like, and and the history as I understood it and tell them their story back about how it all sort of, how I think they got here, right? And so, um, and the role that stress had to play in it, as well as the role their diet might have had to play and the different events in their lives. Every single person has stressful events. And when you start putting the timeline together, it's fascinating. You know, the year after my mother had cancer and died, I ended up, I that's when my autoimmune condition came. Or, you know, I ended up in the hospital with pneumonia, you know, and I had all these antibiotics and then my gut was a mess and then I had autoimmune. Like you, there's a timeline. So being a detective sort of fun, you know, in that I sort of, I put together, the story. I spent two hours with my, my initial visit. So really telling the, putting the story together and stress is always part of the story. And so helping explain that to to somebody is extraordinarily powerful because it really is motivating then about oh my gosh, look at that connection. I need to do something about it. I mean I don't want that to happen again. And so that's when then we talk about what that looks like. And sometimes it's really just about sleep, you know, and a bedtime and a schedule and preventive scheduling. Don't overdo your day. Like don't schedule that extra meeting and you know, different ways people might set an intention for how they structure their life. And maybe they decide to leave the city and move to a country house, you know, and then, like you said, where you're living, your closest neighbors are the deer, you know, like people might, they might get motivated to make a change. So it's not just about meditating. You know, it's about really um, understanding where all those stressors have come in. And, you know, we can't change, our parents are going to get sick and die. And so will we. And, people we love, and there's a lot of loss and grief in life. And, um, and so we all have to find our way to how we're going to manage that, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's how I do it in my office. So I, But I, I'm fearless in my, dis, in my talking about this with people, and I think that that's important for anyone listening, any health provider that you see, because I've done so much of my own work and so much, and so much trauma work, I sit and I cry with people. Like, I just, I, emotion's okay. Let's, you know, I I try to um, offer this as a safe place. It's a safe place where you can really talk about these things. And I think giving people permission to really um, explore it with me or, you know, and to make those connections are really important. And then we talk about what to do about it you
0: know? Yeah. And what are people willing to do or what can they do? And, and right. baby, and that's baby steps are
1: fine. And, and baby is, steps are fine. Right? And I, I very rarely use the M word.
0: Most people don't want to hear about medicine, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but there's a million other things
0: you could do. Right. Right, 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 right. So, so let's talk about the things in terms of you, because you've got a thriving practice today. You're helping a ton of people. You're writing your books, which are fantastic. I've got Thank the you. other, the arthritis book is on my Kindle. That's why it's not behind me. Um, and you've got an online program. You're serving more and more people globally. So I know you've got a meditation practice. You do your 20 minutes in the morning. What else do you do to keep stress from coming into your environment? You don't want to get sick again. You know, you've been there, you've done that. Not going to let that happen again. What else do you do mind, body, spirit to take care of yourself?
1: oh so i mean i think the meditation practice is sort of that anchor um i do i walk a lot with the dog without a phone right and i do a lot of nature nature so i'm out of nature a lot um during the pandemic i've actually decided i take i'm working four days a week so i've changed my schedule you know really being mindful of my schedule Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, when everything changed, it was a lot of stress, and that was hard. Um, so I set a bedtime, and I look at the clock. And if it's ten thirty, is coming, I'm like, "Get to bed, make yourself go." And so, making sure I sleep. So sleep is really, really important. It, it you you don't I minimum of seven hours a night. I sleep really good. Sometimes I need melatonin at night, but like whatever you need to do, a person needs to do to make sure they're sleeping. I think sleep is probably one of the most powerful things you could do to protect your um, adrenals and your resiliency to stress. So making sure I sleep is really important. Um, We're power sleepers in my house. Um, So setting a bedtime and sticking to it, Um, limiting caffeine. Um, You know, I have one cup of something in the morning. I'm I'm an espresso girl, but it's just one little espresso and I don't drink too much coffee the rest of the day. And I think all these little things add up. I don't eat sugar. You know, I'm very much, I'm a vegan pretty much. I eat fish a couple of days, maybe one day a week. Um, but mostly in my whole house is vegan actually. <laughs> um, and so just eating, you know, eating um, really nutritious veg- uh, plant-based diet. And these are all ways I take care of myself. So there's self-care that's more than just meditation right and so it's a whole lifestyle piece so it's sleep it's food i don't i mean i have a glass of wine two nights a week one night one one each night that's like it when the weekend comes it's like yes i can have a glass of wine because other than that otherwise it doesn't i don't feel good the next day i don't sleep good and then it affects my sleep and so i'm very careful about um just everything my whole environment that I bathe my body in. So whether it's food and drink, sleep, exercise. Make sure I exercise and um, doing yoga and walking. You know, i have a very hilly area. I'm up and down the hills, and um, yeah. And then there's meditation and preventive and really be mindful of my schedule, not to overwork myself and figuring out how to delegate and not be perfect. Right. So taking like, so I didn't get that done today. So what, you know, and Mm. you can't get stressed out about everything. You know, uh, you know, when you've been through tough stuff, which I definitely have, um, you learn what's important. And so, you know what, didn't get that done today. It'll get done tomorrow, you know, and it's really okay. And I think we all have to find that ease somewhere. And so that's how I take care of myself. And, and of course I'm older, right? I'm not going to, I just had a big birthday. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but, um, you know, perspective changes as you get older. And so I'm definitely working on not letting myself have that stress reaction. Um, but, but a lot of it is setting an intention about how you set up your life. Right? Yeah, I, so, like I'm in my, so like I'm in my office, right? So pandemic, right. I have five people in my house during the pandemic. I, you know, I'm in the country, so it's been lovely in a way. But oh man, I needed to get out of my house. So I started coming into the office and so I'm doing my telemedicine um, patient visits in my, in my office office um, a couple of days a week. And then I'm working from home the other days, but I couldn't take an, I, need a, I need a break from my house. And so um, figuring out what I need um, is what I've been doing. And that's all good for my mental health. It's all good for stress. It's not just one thing.
0: It's so empowering because when you fill yourself up, when you take care of yourself and do the things that you need to do, and as they say, put that proverbial oxygen mask on first, then everything else is easier. And I love the word that you used of ease because it just makes me feel good when you hear the word ease, doesn't it? I mean, that is just a, we all have to find our own path to ease. Right. No one is going to create your schedule for you. you. We all have things that we wish were not happening or going on. We are all going to be facing, you know, the stuff of life, those stressors that we can't avoid, but it's how we how we handle them and, and how we maybe shift our perceptions of them. And I just love that you've given all these tools and the connection to the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, which I really would invite people to go check out, as well as your own website, which is BlumCenterForHealth.com. Is that right? That's right. That's right. And
1: I, and I do want to say that, um, the, well, I'm sure I'll have a chance to say this later, but when you were talking about all the different things I'm doing, one of the things for my book, The Immune System Recovery Plan, I have been doing an annual like, autoimmune program every, every fall, an online program which is a coaching, I have a fantastic health coach, I teach the classes, and she teaches the group, and she leads the coaching groups. And, um, and so we do this uh, really great interactive coaching and class live classes taught by me every fall. And because of the pandemic, I'm actually redoing it, I'm revamping the whole thing. And I'm calling it immune system strong, Mm. instead of, you know, the immune program, the immune challenge, which I've been doing, and I'm just going to really do a great eight week course on what the immune system is and how to why and how it functions and lifestyle changes you can make and the importance of having a healthy immune system what does it need to be healthy you know to really create that resiliency for for viruses and you know for the because what can we do you know the pandemic is not going so well and so we all we have to 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 be able to shift from that place of fear to a place of feeling a little more hopeful We have to empower ourselves to protect ourselves as best we can. Mm -hmm. And so I think really um, focusing on how to have a really well-functioning immune system that can protect you from viruses, whether you're autoimmune or just everybody. I'll address, you know, I'll talk to both groups, you know, as we do it, but um, I'm expanding it to really include everybody because, um, so I'm really excited about that. I'm in the middle of redoing the guidebooks and the class, I'm really working on changing the curriculum to expand it just for the whole immune system and for everybody. So, Thanks, so that's going to be coming in September. Yeah. So if anyone's so to come to my website, yeah. And you can just, as long as you're on one of our newsletters, just sign up and just sign up and uh, join my mailing list and you will get uh, notified when that's open.
0: Got it. And that's Blum, B-L-U-M, centerforhealth.com. Yes. Just so everybody has the spelling. Okay, great. So we, you have shared so much. This has been amazing. And I wondered, is there anything that I haven't asked you? Or do you have parting thoughts? Because you mentioned helping people become more resilient. And I think yeah. that's really the holy grail. At the end of the day, I, I don't think Darwin said it was a survival of the fittest. I think it was about the survival of the most adaptable, right? Or adaptive. I'm not even sure what the right word yeah. is. But people who can adapt to these changing situations That resiliency, the ability to bounce back when we're faced with all of these threats. Do you have any other words of wisdom
1: for us? I guess what's popping into my head is don't do this alone. You know, you don't need to do this alone. And actually, sometimes you need a buddy. I've had a pandemic buddy. Um, My girlfriend, we've been walking every Saturday morning for two hours in Rockefeller Preserve. And so, you know, find a buddy, you know, find someone who to help you because, um, don't, yeah, don't do this alone. Join a mind body group, find a friend, join an online program, join a group. Like it's, it's hard to do this alone. Get, get help from someone. You know, we have immune consults at Plum Center. You can just do a one-off little immune consult with somebody here. Um, so it's could be someone like a professional, but it could just be your friend and, and, um, yeah, I think that it's, 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 com- it's so complicated. Um, there's, there's, parts of it that's very complicated, but it doesn't have to be lifestyle change and lifestyle medicine is, you know, maybe, you know, find community, find a friend, find community mm-hmm. and get the support you need to take those first steps, whatever they are. And so, and you don't need to do this alone. Um, and if you're struggling, if you want, if you've been trying to do it alone and you've been finding it difficult, that's that tells you that you need to find someone. So um, look at me. When I was 38, I well now nowadays you can go somewhere for a conference, but you know what? They're all online. Yeah. So you know, I found something. It came across my desk. My intuition said you got to do that. And so I would encourage uh, you know, people to do things like that. Join a class. Join an online program. Um, find community, find people, uh, because it's a long road, and it's good. I have buddies that have been with me since the beginning at the ce- you know the center. They're my my self awareness buddies, and um, they've sustained me. So find your people.
0: Oh, that is so such a beautiful way to end this. I love it. Stay connected, stay safe, and you can. This is such an ideal time to support your immune system because. Yep you know, at the end of the day, that's what we have to protect us against any kind of disease, whether it's viral or other toxins. And to get well, we need to do that. So it's just been an honor and a pleasure talking with you. You're so much fun and such a wealth of knowledge and information. Thank you so much for talking. You're very welcome.
1: It was great talking to you too. And I hope that we uh, gave some people some inspiration.
0: I know that we did. So thank you for having the conversation. I wish you well throughout this entire time and let's stay in touch and you you take great care of yourself. You too. Talk to you soon, I hope. And that's a wrap. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, share it with your friends and family. And if you feel inspired, please leave a quick review so other people can find it too. Now, if you want to beat autoimmune and thrive, make sure you sign up for my free video training at freeautoimmunetraining.com. That's freeautoimmunetraining.com and watch the first video right away. Take good care. Bye for now.